Welcome to Friends of the Forest. I am your host, Brad Whipple here, and this is our Vivo's Book Report of the Week for Season 2, Episode 7 of Star Wars Resistance. It is a book report for a TV show. It makes so much sense. and that's That we do in an audio format. Exactly. None of it makes sense around here, but that is what friends do. They get together and they do things that make absolutely no sense, and then you question your life choices afterwards. But Mm -hmm. who's the friend that I'll be questioning those life choices with today? It's me, Sarah. Again. Again. Wow. This should come as a huge shock, um, obviously. Um, But yeah, I'm back for another episode of Bebo's Book Report. Uh, A book report we do about a TV show in an audio format. Right. That is not available on TV. Unless you have a Roku and you can stream your podcasts, which can Can be a thing. You can. For all of you out there, whoa, yeah, yeah, changes changes Roku. lives if you're doing stuff around the house and you want like a good quality sounding podcast on your elitist soundbar. But that is besides the point. We are here not that, talking about soundbars. That touched a little close to home, um, <laughs> but that's okay. <laughs> we are here to talk about episode seven, the Relic Raiders. And it was directed Ooh. by Brad, that's me, Rao, and written by Brandon, one letter removed from Braden, Amon. So again, that is Brad Rao and Brandon Amon. I had to say their names one more time because I butchered them. But this is a pretty spectacular episode, if I do say so myself. We're getting some weird Force stuff here in Star Wars Resistance. What a time, Sarah. What a time we live in. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my god. Oh this my had Filoni all over it. I could feel it. What? a time we are in between this and Mando and preparations for Tross and um, Jedi Fallen Order. This is content that ranks among them very easily. Don't, don't forget getting absolutely slapped on Twitter in my mentions, but uh, that's uh, for another time. There's a lot happening in the Star Wars universe right now. It's a good, it's a good time. And I, you know, Ignore the haters because <laughs> life is good, even if finals season for me is not. <laughs> finals is the worst. But you know what won't be on your finals? This episode of Star Wars Resistance, unfortunately, although that might mean you would have aced it. Although who's to say you can't ace it anyways? So believe in yourself if you're out there and you have final seasons coming up. Because I know probably some of you are in school. So believe in yourselves. You got this. Find your Niku Nirvana when it comes to studying, yes. watch Niku clips exclusively or just listen to me and Sarah do impressions such as CB23. Oh no, CB, your head is removed from your body. Or I like food. Food, 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 food. Which you yes. can listen to a loop on YouTube for 10 hours. <laughs> There's a video where it loops it. <laughs> I did. That was that the one I sent to you? Yes, it was. I'm gonna for those of you out there, I will post it in the description of this episode. So if you have ten hours that you want to spare and you throw it on your Roku for the YouTube app, we're bringing it all back. Yeah, bringing it all back. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Do that instead of listening to this podcast. But before you do that, do listen to this podcast because we're here to talk about. Wow, we're really off the track we're off the beaten road right now sarah i don't even know how it is a good episode so far i have declared it so so it Listen, is so it is friday night we got nowhere to be tomorrow at least i don't probably in bed watching high school musical the musical the series hell yes 
and we're going to be talking about Star Wars Resistance. So let's start with our typical popcorn plot. Okay, you got to start because I watched the first six minutes of this like three days ago and then I got into it today. All right. Well, I will popcorn starting now. So enter another glamour shot of the Colossus. Oh, so pretty. We get Kaz and Tora on yet another mission. They're like a good pairing this season so far, although still no Tam. I don't know where Tam went. I think something's going on with her, but we enter the planet of Ashas Re, and here the resistance finds a some sort of I believe they find a transmission of some sort or they need supplies. They found a local trading outpost, so they're thinking, ah, this might be some good stuff. You know, maybe there's a Tarjay on the planet that we can go to and get some uh, blankets and some pots for my succulents that I'll never actually put succulents in that'll only sit on my bookshelf for a really, really long time unused. Not that that's something I've done. And Kaz, Tora, and Freya go onto this planet and popcorn. So they go onto the planet and they are at the... um like the outpost or the town and nobody's there. It's like a ghost town. There's like, Sounds you know, like you can imagine the tumbleweed, even though it is a, um, like a forested green planet. Um, and they are sent out for supplies, but they come across or Kaz comes across this, um, like temple and he's like, I'm going to go look in it. Um, and he says, it'll be fine. What could possibly go wrong? <laughs> Asked you to. <laughs> that's, that's, that's the quote. I wrote it down word for word. Um, and of course, everything does go wrong. Everything that can go wrong will go wrong. Because that's how it works. Popcorn Brad. So, Kaz goes down there into this temple. And, and Kel and Isla hear this voice help me help me so they run into the temple and Kaz is like oh god jeez I don't believe in the force so he gets zapped naturally because they get separated yeah and then Mm -hmm. drunk Kaz comes out this is what I imagine Kaz sounds like after too many vodka tonics at a resistance colossus party (laughs) and he starts walking around he's like oh look at that nice shiny thing over there I'm gonna touch it and the voice is like don't touch it don't touch the relic. And Kaz is like, I'm going to touch it. And then he touches it. Dipshit falls down into the pit of Carcoon on this temple with a new character that we meet called Mika Gray. And they start talking and Mika's like, you talk too much and you know too little. And Kaz is like, well, actually, I don't think I talk that. And she's like, silence. And then Kaz literally zips his mouth popcorn. Basically, Kaz continues to be the dumbass that he is. He steps on yet another booby trap and it looks like this drill comes out of the ground, starts spinning while it's like centrifugal force. Oof. And they're like pushed against the wall, like those terrible um, carnival rides. And um, yeah, and it's not going so good for them. And CB23 was sent on a mission to go find Kel and Isla. And um, she does because she's a pro like that. And then um, they push on some like symbols on either side of the room and they free um Mika and um Kaz popcorn Brad 
I'm gonna do my best infomercial voice. But wait, there's more! They walk out of the temple, and lo and behold, the First Order has arrived, and they're keeping Freya and Tora captive near all their ships. And what do you know? The Supreme Leader has sent the First Order Raiders towards this planet to find some relics. And they sneak around a little bit. They try to avoid them. They get caught. But Mika went somewhere else. And she actually ends up on top of a building somehow. She's got some serious parkour skills. Parkour! And she ends up on there. She throws a sick Sith relic on the ground. Tells everybody to run. And they run. Kaz, I can't believe he got out of there in time. The clumsy guy who has center of gravity up near his brain. He gets out of there. And the First Order troopers get electrocuted. Like... They died mm-hmm. straight up. And then we take Mika Gray and we take the kids off the planet and they go back up to the Colossus. And now you got another addition to the crew. Mika Gray. Yeah. Resistance yeah. hero. Soon to be. So, Sarah. Yeah. What'd you think of this episode? I really liked this episode. I think we're on a pretty good streak right now. Yes, I would agree with that. Yeah. Um, I thought it was very interesting. Um. I thought Mika was a really cool character, a really great addition um, to um, Resistance as a show and to the universe. Um, and I thought it gave us some very interesting tidbits that will um, have relevance or be tangential to important things in that little that little indie movie that's coming out next month. I ooh. oh, is that the one that's in like three theaters, but they're all in Alaska? No, no, no. Those are the three theaters, but it's they're all in um, oh, that's in like Joker the middle of, of in the middle of Indiana. Oh yeah, like yeah, that Bloomington. One. That one. Oh um, God, yeah, that right around. I there's one theater there. It's an AMC. Um, <laughs> it's in that one at least. I know that. Um, I've been there before. So, um, yeah, it's, I think it's coming out in that mm. theater. It may open yeah. wide later in the year, maybe next year. But yeah, yeah. the little one, the rise might be a straight of, to DVD release. Rise of the Sky Skywalker Sky Rider. Rise yeah. of Sky Rider. Yeah, something like that. Something like that. But that one, I think. It, I think it'll have some ties to that one. Oh, so yeah. Yeah. What about you? Yeah, you maybe think I'll go see that one. Maybe I'll just drive to Indiana. We we could meet up in Indiana. Yeah, just meet, yeah, just meet yeah, halfway. Yeah, it's not halfway. I mean, for I me, know, but, I know the movie theater, so I mean, we'll be good. Yeah, yeah, totally. You know, they, <laughs> this episode was pretty fantastic. I would say since the engineer, we've had a pretty good streak of episodes, and I like that we finally got to explore the Force in this episode. We haven't really had a chance in Resistance to do that yet, and it definitely, like you said, is going to connect to that really small indie movie that's coming out in a couple couple weeks here which I think is the important thing to start to kind of figure out, you know, where this falls in the timeline. And I think this episode definitely gave us some more insight into that, which we'll get to in a little bit. But yeah, overall impressions, great episode. Not too much uh, terrible besides the fact that Kaz, like you just need to stop touching things that you shouldn't be touching. Like boy, come on. He's so clumsy. Yeah. You know, like how, how, like people during puberty just get like really clumsy because right. they're growing and they don't like tripping over their own feet, like that whole thing. I feel like Kaz is perpetually in that state and will be forever in that state. He will never get out of his clumsiness. Yeah, phase. no. Um, 
he's just so clumsy. But also my question with the whole him stepping on the second one was like Mika was walking around in that space. How is she not stepping in any of these? But that's just that's just, you know, like an external thought I was having about. That yeah. Thing. Let's talk about the Sith Temple, though. It's pretty crazy stuff that yeah. there's just a random Sith Temple here. And Mika says, you know, they're in an ancient Sith temple. Sometimes you find them buried beneath Jedi temples. It's a purification of suppression. Whoa. That sentence just got uttered in a cartoon on Disney XD. Yeah. And you'll usually find that these things rise to the surface. Wait, did she say the word rise? Rise of Skywalker. (laughs) What? Yeah, she raised it to break in. But I want to focus on a purification of suppression. Yes. I thought the word choice suppression was interesting because I think the obvious word choice is not suppression, but oppression to me. Right. And so I thought the, the choice of the word suppression was really interesting, but also like the word purification, like capital C choices were made in this episode and they were a bold one just to say that and and to know that a lot of Jedi temples were built on top of Sith temples. And uh, I also really thought it was interesting how she's talking about this purification of suppression. But then she says immediately after that, but I rose it, like I raised it to break in. And then the villagers fled. So what she did is she went ahead and ignored the villagers' wishes about... Um, the temple and about like the 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 theories surrounding this temple and the the mythology surrounding it to bring it back to life by raising it and I that felt very like colonizing yeah colonial that had a colonial vibe to it and I'm not sure if that was the intention of that kind of moment, but like that's the moment I got because she like explicitly was like, no, I'm going to get this thing. I'm going to ignore the villagers, even if it means them deserting all of their homes because I want to get it before the first order does, which I, I think is a noble cause in itself, but right. I think there's a little bit of muddy um, implications surrounding it all. I, I would agree with that. Definitely some muddy implications, but I like that you bring up, you know, it's it's kind of for a greater good because if she doesn't bring that temple to the surface, it's going to be somebody else like the First Order or like the Kylo Ren who would then, you know, take that weapon and do even more harm for those villagers. So it is definitely almost like a catch-22 in some ways for Mika, I'm sure, and it's probably not her first rodeo when it comes to doing these sorts of things and having to make those tough choices. And she seems like Mm -hmm. a very hardened person who's been through a lot. So I get that impression from her, but she seems very knowledgeable. She seems like she knows. I mean, I'm surprised that she even falls into this booby trap originally. Yeah. So I'm kind of wondering how she ends up in that, in that scenario must just kind of be one of those things, you know, but the temple itself is absolutely beautiful. I mean, the imagery of the red lines in the wall and Again, more imagery of triangles, I think, you know, kind of made me think of like a holocron, Sith holocron. Yeah. I thought that was some good imagery. The ancient text that's like written up the sides. um, I think we see some of that and you might know better than me in Fallen Order imagery without, I don't know any spoilers, but I know there's been some promo images where I feel like um, Sith text has also been seen. Um, Mm -hmm. But I just think the temple is really interesting because it feels at the same time very science fiction when it comes to the booby traps and the 
the triangular design feels a bit like you're walking through a Star Destroyer in that sense and in the, mm-hmm. the ways that the corridors are built. But at the same time, with the text, it feels very organic. And so I think that how they designed it really mixed like the Indiana Jones of it all with the, the science fiction with the organic fantasy elements. And so I thought it was just really, really cool. And I would be interested to see more of that. And like, I think that's why characters like Mika and even like Afra are so interesting because searching for these relics, going to these yeah. places that feels a little bit more like Indiana Jones or other like treasure hunters and adventure. Um, so it was cool. I was impressed. And it also, one other thing to know I thought was interesting was Kel and Isla have mm-hmm. to press those symbols at the same time to unlock or to stop the drill from happening. Yeah. And it made me rethink of Maul and Ezra when they go to the Sith Temple on Malachor, I believe it is. And they both have to lift the door at the same time. Mm-hmm. So, like, one can't do it without the other. So, again, it kind of just fits back into, like, the Sith idea of, like, you need a the rule of two, like, the master and the apprentice. There also could be that little indie movie implications for having to work together. Yes. Which I don't mean a tangent too far, but I'm going to do it. I'm so sorry in advance. <laughs> Bear with me. The K's Wrath device from two issues of the Poe comic. It is one of my favorite things in all of Star Wars. Um, Laura Santeca finds this artifact in the Cato Nemoidia, um, uh, vault vaults thank you yeah. uh and it's a circular circle and he goes this is the kazerath device and a dark side user and a light side user have to come together yes. to make it work and i was just like dying upon reading this so to yes. see this theme repeated this motif repeated of um having to work together um having to stand on opposite sides of something to make something work having to it takes collaborate with an enemy in order to achieve a common goal or achieve what is assumed to be a common goal um i think is something that really exists throughout a lot of star wars material and it's interesting that it pops up here in a, in a particular version so hey it took two to defeat the emperor the first time around you had luke skywalker and darth vader it needed to be both of them because luke was gonna die and if vader didn't come back and save him that's it teamwork makes the dream work as they say amen and i would just say if we don't get some sort of a teamwork moment in the rise of skywalker where they don't play that one song it takes two to make a thing go right like you know i think that would be a great opportunity but yes that's a great thing to bring up and i'm glad you brought up the little poe dameron lore nugget there and i think that's uh something i need to reread probably before the the rise of skywalker i would say so gonna dig back into those poe comics I love the Kate's Wrath device. I might be one yeah. of two people in the entire fandom that like thinks about <laughs> it on a semi-regular basis, but like I am. Um, yes. But but I thought that was so interesting. I thought also kind of connected to relics and the temple is her Mika's line at the end um, when when she's talking about the Force and how she. She notes that the artifact is a power source, so I thought that was a, of of note. Um, she said she'd been searching it for searching for it for two and a half years, so that means before the Hosnian destruction, you know. Um, just to put it in the timeline, 
But also she says the force doesn't belong to any one person. It's in all of us. We just find it in different ways. Yeah. And I thought that was, again, very one of those like, hey, are you thinking this can be applied to literally every other aspect of Star Wars? But just talking about the force in such a broad and undefined way um, is like really delicious content for me because I love, you know, Legends of Skywalker, the Tide and um, ways of understanding the force that are not defined by the binary Jedi and Sith that we traditionally like apply them to. Yeah. Thinking back to so. Luke's line, you know, the, the force wasn't just a thing for the Jedi. It's like a huge theme in the, in the yeah. last Jedi, you know, it wasn't reserved for exactly. them and that was their hubris. So, and I think this is a very important line as well. And just regards to, I think of like the Freddie Prince Jr. rant. Cause remember he talked to like mm-hmm. about the four. He's like, it's not a video game. You just can't level up. And like, that's how the force works. You know, that's not how the force works. The force is in every single living being and everybody can find it a different way and tap into it a different way. So, there doesn't need to be an explanation for why Ray, blah, 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 blah. None of that matters. The force is is there. And if you can find the force and tap into it, that just says a lot about your character and how you can come to peace with yourself. And again, the, the force doesn't belong to any one person. And the thing I think about with Kaz is, is at the very beginning of this episode, he asks, you know, the Jedi, the force, and Isla says, just because you can't believe in something doesn't mean it's not real, Kaz. And then towards the end of the episode, when Mika has this whole conversation, we see a subtle look from him. Mm. And to me, that kind of indicates either he is starting to come around to this idea. I don't think it means he's like being hinted at as being force sensitive, but I think maybe towards the end of the series, depending on where this lines up with the last Jedi and the rise of Skywalker timeline, we might hear more about the force from some of the resistance leaders, whether it's Leia considering she has used it recently to revive herself and she's still dealing with that and it's kind of rumor has mm-hmm. it sort of thing. And Ray might be present and, you know, ultimately the resistance and the force might be what sparks the hope to, to burn down the first order. And that's the kind of thing that could really inspire a lot of people. And if Kaz believes in the force, then I think he can kind of fall into that, that bandwagon mm-hmm. and, and join forces literally with, with others. So I think Interestingly, I'd like to touch on Mika's design for a minute um, because her design, like, as a character is really interesting. Um, Like, one of the first things I noticed about her was um, her nose ring and the gauges. Uh, She's clearly a cool badass. (laughs) And she is. I am not this cool, but I looked at her and I went, Oh no, like she knows what she's doing. She's she's a pro. She just like automatically has clout, especially with the markings on her face. Um she looks like like she's seen it all, like very hardened, um, you know, and like is a is a, a real professional. Uh and I just thought she had such an interesting character design. And if I may jump into the buckets list for a little moment. Um you hopped into it early last week, so I'm hopping into it early this week. Ha. Let's um, dabble. And Pablo said, Hidalgo, uh, said that um, she evolved from imagining what Asajj Ventress would look like had she survived into this era. And I thought that was a very cool thought um, because it it kind of like actively considers... Um, 
like women aging, which I feel like is a thing that it really is not considered a lot in media. Like women, once they hit a certain age, are like not represented in media anymore. So that's why it's cool to have characters like um, Holdo and Leia, um, Gemma Leia, and Mika, among others, um, who, you know, aren't like, you know, Tora Doza or Tam, but are still really valuable uh, characters that can be unique and don't fit into molds. Uh, so yeah, I thought right. she was cool and that her character design was also really awesome. That's what I have to say about that. <laughs> I would just like to say, I would love to see more of her background potentially. Mm-hmm. I don't know if, you know, maybe we haven't really gotten that many book books or comic materials for Star Wars resistance. So like, you know, they could always do some sort of like one-off for Mika Gray to learn more about like some of her other adventures hunting down these these artifacts and just learn more about like why her face is painted that way or like why she has those certain like the certain dress wear Mm -hmm. i think that'd be really interesting stuff to to get more into why like what her culture cultural background is but yeah i agree those are some great points like you want to let's let's get right into the the buckets list before we do the buckets list because i know we typically end on the buckets list i would love to mention the first order guys which i guess does tie into the buckets list i don't know but um <laughs> whatever but uh yeah we'll jump into the buckets list but i'd love to start with the first order raiders <laughs> um firstly i wrote it's like an nfl team yes i wrote <laughs> whose voice is this because the voice was just very distinct and had a very particular accent and felt very like first order imperial and i thought that was interesting and then you get to their design and they're fascinating and they're scary <laughs> So, they are pretty terrifying. I don't know if you had thoughts about the Raiders. The Raiders are so cool, and the fact that they were specifically designed for this episode, I think, is really, really great. And they were a bit terrifying in terms of... They, they seemed very threatening. Mm-hmm. Seems like they've been doing a lot of work for their Supreme Leader, so this is not their first time having to deal with a band of resistance fighters. And they were pretty much going to kill them. They were they were not going to take any prisoners, it seemed like. Yeah, and I wonder, as you were talking, I was wondering myself, it said they were created for this episode, but I wonder if there will be mention of them or if they will tie at all over to that little indie movie that we've been mentioning throughout this episode. Because, you know, they talk about that this is work they're doing for the Supreme Leader, and we all know that the Supreme Leader is the evilest of all evil boys, the biggest, baddest, evilest boy ever to evil, Kylo Ren. He's, yep. he's so evil. Um, so I, I wonder if they'll be mentioned or utilized at all, or if we'll just kind of be moved on from that point, which I think would also be fair. But um, that was just something I thought about as you were mentioning. Let's talk about that Kylo connection then. So they're hunting down relics for their Supreme Leader, which they don't mention specifically Kylo Ren. It wasn't until this buckets list and their database entry on StarWars.com that we actually found out it is Supreme Leader Kylo Ren. So to me, I'm wondering where we are in the timeline. To mm-hmm. me, that seems he's had enough time to establish himself as a Supreme Leader. Snoke is dead. That's gotten confirmed throughout the galaxy. Now the First Order is organized enough to now be going on these secret missions for Kylo. So I would imagine we're getting really, really close to the Rise of Skywalker. Like I would say within months, probably. Yeah. Honestly. Yeah. I, I think s- a lot of time, a lot of time has probably passed on the, on the Colossus, and that's why they're in need of new supplies. Mm. That's why they try to go to this outpost. So 
They say in this Kylo connection, in the script, Mika originally specified that the relic was a very powerful weapon that belonged to an ancient Sith Lord. Like other Sith artifacts seen in Star Wars stories, it has a triangular shape, which symbolizes a pinnacle of power above a lowly base. Sith artifacts, ancient writing, and Kylo Ren's pursuit of such secrets all factor into upcoming Star Wars storytelling. Dot, dot, dot. Oof. Um, so Sarah, you want to kick us off with this one? What are what are some of these implications in terms of Kylo Ren's pursuit of Sith relics, and just the fact that you know his his baddies are are up and about? Uh, yeah, I find it interesting that he's getting other people to do this work for him. Um, but I also don't know if this is touched on, perhaps in Rebels or Clone Wars. I haven't seen Clone Wars, and honestly, I don't remember Rebels, but talking about the triangle as a pinnacle of power above a lowly base, I was like, oof, oof, that's a lot. That's very heavy. It goes on to that purification of suppression comment. There's a lot of... Some deep um, stuff. Like, very bold language. um, Yeah. And very bold symbolism. Um, But it makes sense. And so having it pointed out was really interesting. But, yeah, Sith artifacts, ancient writing, and Kylo Ren's pursuit of such secrets all factor into upcoming Star Wars storytelling. Please kill me now. Oh, my God. Um, it's, it's interesting. Um, it makes me think of, um, you know, that vegetable that we all like to discuss on reddit specifically but we're not discussing on this podcast because that's not our deal it's not brad's deal so i think it'll be really interesting to see how it all plays out um and how perhaps it all factors into palpatine's coming back yeah if if kylo ren is searching for palpatine or if Kylo Ren is searching for power, I think it'll be really interesting to see JJ's characterization of uh, Kylo Ren Ben Solo at the top of this movie um, to see like what kind of work he's been doing, whatever these secrets are. You know what I'm saying? Like right. um, how he characterizes what he wants out of them. And certainly we're butting right up against the timeline for Rise of Skywalker, according yeah. to that long graph graphic that we got at D23. Mm-hmm. So this this kind of stuff that we're hearing has serious storytelling implications. So like this isn't to yeah. be taken lightly, you know. My personal like tinfoil hat theory is this might have something to do with Darth Vader's helmet. Mm. If hmm. if indeed there's something maybe going on. Because that is a Sith relic when you think about it. Yeah, And if yeah. there is some sort of like manipulation going on with kylo because we've seen so much of like masked kylo and so much uh-huh. of unmasked kylo so i wonder if the mask itself Dang. is having some sort of manipulation or possession effect on kylo where he is now like drawn to like obtain more powerful sources but then it's also like palpatine's manipulation is like trying to get him to get those sources for palpatine so that when he returns he has all the tools in his arsenal already for him without him oh. actually having to go out and get those. I don't know. That's just like a crazy whack theory. No, I, it reminds I me of um, in, it's like opposite of Harry Potter, uh, when they're wearing the, the one, oh, Horcrux. They're wearing the one Horcrux, and the more they wear it, like the more it wears them down. Um, yeah. Like the opposite or of like the one ring the too. Mask. Yeah. Yeah. Same, same yeah, idea is kind of there. And yeah. Um, and, also, the idea of the mask, I also thought about 
like the possession of Darth Vader's mask or like the horrorcruxiness of Darth Vader's mask. I don't know. This might be all the absolute yeah. nonsense, but it's a really interesting theory that I think um, isn't isn't so far fetched. It's not Mace Windu yeah. and Tross, you know. Like it feels on brand for the story. So what this makes me think of in relation to like the Goblet of Fire and the Return of Voldemort is. Kylo Ren, it seems to be the Barty Crouch Jr. of Star Wars in a way, because he's again he's getting all the pieces set for mm. the return of an ultimate villain. So that that to me seems like what these ancient artifacts are are telling. But again, that's just a little bit of a tross talk for you there. So I, I do think this is very interesting stuff. Again, the timeline implications are are great. I think we're getting closer, and as we near the series end. I think we're going to see a lot more of these sorts of connections, especially since we actually saw Kylo run in the trailers for uh, Unmasked Kylo specifically as well, which is interesting because we haven't actually seen any Supreme Leader Kylo run material where he's unmasked. It's always been the mask on. So uh, more to come on that in Star Wars Resistance. But did you have anything else that you wanted to add in regards to the... I'm sure we could talk about this for a long time, but in regards to the the artifacts Um, and the raiders... that feels that feels like we've covered a lot with the artifacts and the raiders. I feel good about that. Yeah, good. All right, you want to take us off with the next bucket list item? Yeah, let's let's go to um, the mall. <laughs> yes, uh, lessons in temple development. Your mother number reference. number three, uh, the lore of Jedi temples being built over conquered Sith temples is an idea that surfaced during the development of Clone Wars. Even the Jedi Temple on Coruscant has ancient Sith shrine deep in its foundations. I feel like that was something that's generally pretty well known, but at least for me, and I'll and I'll lump number two into this about the planish ashes free and it being an old Sith world and dating back to a role playing book um, from the nineties. Um, it's interesting to me that this was not just a one off thing that happened on Coruscant. Again, maybe just something that other people know that I haven't thought about. But the fact that they consciously, the Jedi consciously went to Sith worlds and to conquered temples and were like, we're not even going to tear it down. We're just going to build right on top of it um, is, is really fascinating to me. Um, and it also, I also, I feel like it's bad, bad energy um, because it's kind of like, we're going to build some houses over some native burial grounds and you're like, uh, you don't do that. Like, that's an exceptionally bad thing to be doing. Even though right. I wouldn't I wouldn't say that, like, uh, the Sith were good people or people worried, wor- worthy of being respected, right? Um, I'm not trying to make a comparison between the two groups. Uh, but rather, the idea, instead of getting rid of something or raising a building, to just build on top of it it's interesting i don't know i don't know well it makes me think too of dooku jedi lost how there's that i have to reread the the script version of it but there's that whole area underground that dooku goes into and kind of has there's some you know they study sith artifacts down there Mm. and it just fits into this idea again that the jedi thought the force was reserved for them and mika gray specifically saying and luke saying that doesn't belong to any one group of people so for the the jedi their hubris was to build on these temples and not in this universe allow for that freedom of knowledge to to know about the sith they just continued to like suppress the knowledge from the general public and they what they thought was a purification to you know only 
have good and only have Jedi temples and teach the Jedi way, like that ultimately was their downfall. Because if you have more of these things exposed to the Jedi and they're learning about the Sith, you know, but not necessarily dabbling in the dark side, they'll they'll grow that tolerance and that resistance to the temptations that may ultimately come their way. So that's like why, you know, people like Dooku fall to the dark side or like Anakin falls to the dark side because no one is there to teach him about the dark side except for Palpatine, who is the worst dark side user you would probably want to learn from if you're trying not to become a baddie. Yeah, so it's... it kind of fits into all this, all these pieces coming together in terms of the, why the Jedi fell, I think. I guess that kind of plays into the idea of like, if you don't know your history, you're kind of doomed to repeat it. Um, yeah, exactly. If the, if the Jedi suppress the fact that they had a war with the Sith or that the Sith maybe in the past had a noble pursuit or two or like not all not every one of their ideas were bad or if every one of their ideas were bad like no having that knowledge to order to combat that rather than just push literally it's like it's like you know when you keep your feelings in except instead of talking about them you just kind of push them down right i don't know it's 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 really interesting and it's an idea that i haven't totally unpacked in a really solid manner. But I do think that the talking about number four, kind of looping this into the conversation of the buckets list, it's talking about there's a symbol engraved in the Jedi temple and it's a snake and a fish based off the yin yang. Um, and the snake represents the dark side of the force and the fish, the light side of the force. And so it reinforces the fact that the Jedi temple was built on the sun temple and it says to bring balance out or to bring to balance out the energy in that area which again is really interesting to me um the use of like yin yang imagery is uh chef's kiss delightful gorgeous <laughs> everything we could have ever asked for um i feel like i'm winning um it's it's good um <laughs> But to the idea that the Jedi Temple was built over the Sith Temple, again, is something that maybe other people know more about, but, like, to balance out the energy is fascinating because we, I think we've talked about it, either us or maybe just in conversation, but, um, or maybe I'm making it up, um, about the idea that, like, you really can't be all light or all dark, that we, like, we all exist in some sort of gray zone there i mean even talking about going back to dooku jedi lost and like the light the dark the balance in that ritual that they said to themselves um and that's probably why we both love Raylo so much like like this idea that nobody is both of these things but that these things have to interact and for the energy to be balanced so that makes that baffles me as to why you would build on top of this to balance out the energy goes back to me for the jedi's hubris it looks like they're trying to stamp out that yeah side energy rather than like embrace it into a, a better energy but hey yeah, i'm not yes, a jedi exactly. what do i know <laughs> yeah it doesn't really feel like a coexistence at all mm -hmm. especially if you're talking about balance it seems like the problem with the jedi was that they didn't know what balance truly was and that's why the tail that's why the scales tip so much in the dark side direction is because they thought they were balancing but what was really happening was it was Think of like teeter-totter, you know, the Jedi are on one side and they're weighing down so heavily because there's so many of them, 
but here comes Palpatine on the other side to outweigh all of them and literally execute them so that the scales tips, the teeter-totter tips so dramatically to the other side. Mm-hmm. But if you can have a powerful light, powerful dark on each side, you know, like Luke says, that's what's going to create the balance on that teeter-totter. I haven't been on a teeter-totter in so long. It's kind of making me reminisce almost. I kind of want to... Do you want to meet up when we go to that theater in, in uh, Indiana? We can find a teeter-totter and just... That and if we if we don't if we don't get to the Bloomington Theater, we can just right. find a teeter totter in um Anaheim. So we'll what like the celebration, you know, like on the can, way there, we'll stop in Tulsa because we're driving. We're dr- we're driving. Are you gonna pick? Are you gonna pick me up? I'll pick you uh, up. Yeah, I'll pick oh, you up on the way. Cool, 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 yep. cool, cool. We can it's only like thirty five hours. Yeah. Portillos uh, while we're in Chicago, and we can great go food. through our merry way um, and stock up on food before we hit Nebraska. But because we all know yeah. that that is a terrible drive. No offense to Nebraskans living in Nebraska, but your highway is boring. And then once you get three quarters of the way in and hit that one cow farm that smells really bad, you know what ones I'm talking about, Nebraskans. <laughs> um, it's not my favorite part of the drive. It's <laughs> a lot of corn, but. You know what they uh, they know what to say here. We are gonna just shuck that conversation away. Anyways, <laughs> I hate myself. Anyways, okay, this has been a good episode, Brad. Okay? This is pretty good. This is pretty good. I, I'm gonna keep all these outtakes in. It's fine. We're good. We're all fine here now. How are you? That pretty much is all the buckets list. This is a long episode yeah. though. We're running pretty late, so let's know, let's start to got, wrap it up here. We want to talk about stuff. We got things yeah, to say. This is a good important episode, I think. There's just a lot yeah. to unpack, and again, I think it has some serious implications for the rise of Skywalker. So, Sarah. Yeah. What would you give this episode on the Bebo scale? I would give this another four Bebos out of five. Great. Very very solid. Not quite up to the engineer for me, but like yeah, very good. I would agree. I would say a four. It's not at the perfect five for me because I, I think for a five there would have had to have been like a hint Niku. or an appearance of either Niku or Kylo Ren. Mm. I think I was waiting for it towards the end when we had the Raiders. I was waiting sure. maybe for a final shot on like Kylo Ren's destroyer being like we lost contact with the Raiders and then him just like clenching like the comm and breaking it or something. I don't know something like small like that yeah yeah but i'm sure we'll get it soon mm-hmm. but uh yeah pretty great episode so friends of the force official stamp of four bebos out of five for episode seven the relic raiders that's pretty yeah. much all for this uh this resistance episode I- i'm excited we get we get a new one tomorrow wow i guess you're right yeah all right can i do my last words yes it'll be fine what could possibly go wrong everything my cast impression it wasn't good but i tried <laughs> trying you tried your best slaps gold star on on my computer thank you <laughs> you tried <laughs> i appreciate it badge of honor <laughs> sarah where can the the good friends of the forest find you uh you can find me on twitter and instagram and youtube at seh221 i post a lot about star wars on my twitter specifically not so much on those other platforms about star wars sometimes about um, me drowning in homework other times about how much i love sleep but mostly about star wars and about food sometimes about food 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 well that's awesome make sure you go check out sarah's twitter she's got some some good tweets some good tea to go around and i definitely delve into the the kool-aid now as for here at friends of the force 
Again, Bebo's Book Report is our weekly resistance recap series that goes up eh, kind of whenever we feel like it. But Yeah, it's my schedule's fault. So <laughs> it's no big deal. But you make sure wherever you're listening to give Friends of the Forest five stars and leave us a review, uh, especially because of all the angry people in my comments recently. I'm bound to probably get some one stars for no reason. So definitely go head over and help out the podcast and make sure that we're not getting drowned out in those uh, those bomb reviews. And you can follow Friends of the Force on Twitter at Friends of Force and Friends of the Force on Instagram. Send us an email to Friends of the Force Podcast at gmail.com if you have a question. And you can join our Patreon starting at $1 a month at patreon.com slash Friends of the Force. Thank you, Alderanian Rose, Chris from Kentucky, Michael Condon, Neil Lowry, Royal Farm Boy, and T. And we are also a part of the Star Wars Escape Pods Network, promoting positivity and fandom. That's it. That's all for this. That's night from us. It's a late one, but we got it done. As for all of us here, we are all ones with the force. We are all friends of the force, and may the force be with you always. Bye.